Thank you, sir. Awesome. Well, good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Good to see you all, and thank you so much for coming. I see a few new faces. Hi, ladies. <laughs> um, so yeah, we are, we've been on a, a roller coaster ride here for uh, four weeks, and we were just saying how fast it's gone, you know, and it's uh, when you're in a good thing, you know, it just seems like you just don't want it to stop, and the stuff that we don't like seems to linger on forever, right? So, but I'm excited. I'm excited to bring week four to you guys tonight, and I pray always that when you leave here, you leave here better than what you came as. So, before we get started, I'm going to go ahead and open us up in prayer. So, if you just want to bow your heads, we'll go before the Lord. Dear Heavenly Father, we come to you together on one accord this evening. We give you all the praise, honor, glory, and adoration for what you have done and continue to do in our lives, Lord God. We collectively worship you simply for who you are. Thank you so much for loving us first so that we can then love you and love others. Thank you for this privilege and opportunity to come together in fellowship in your presence, being led by your precious Holy Spirit. Help us to have open ears and receptive hearts for that that you will show us tonight, Lord God. Let the truth of your word saturate our hearts. This we commit this meeting to you in Jesus' name, and everyone said amen. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Well, again, I always say you guys are such awesome troopers for coming out on a summer night to come and hear the word, so I appreciate that, and I just pray that your, your energy and your focus stays with us for the next hour because it's going to be uh, good. It's always good, and um, I always say that Whatever you need to do to make this an intimate time between you and the Lord, too, he hears your prayers, he knows what's on your heart, and it's his intention to meet whatever need you have here tonight, okay? So, for those of you who may uh, be here for the first time, or if you're returning and you forgot to bring your notepads and your pencils, because we do a lot of note-taking, uh, we do have some extras at the back of the room, so if you'd like to grab a little notepad and a pen, please do so. And um, thank you for bringing that, Tony, and making sure that our students are well prepared. So, Fundamentals of Faith, Wednesday night Bible study week four. Tonight, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to put a big red bow on this topic of faith. And I'm excited because it's one of those things, actually, we could talk all day every day about this subject because as we were saying, it is literally the, the hub, it's the foundation, it's the end all and be all to everything in the kingdom of God. There's no way to skirt around anything in the word without attaching faith to it. So we started out in week one recognizing that faith is the most important principle because without faith, it's impossible to please God, right? So we needed to make sure that we understood exactly what faith is, right? How it works, how we get it, its purpose, you know, how we use it. So we talked about how to use our faith to move mountains and slay giants. And what I like about this topic is that, again, week to week, we see the overlap. So tonight you're going to see a little overlap, too, about some of the things that we've been talking about. But I feel like that overlap just adds power to what it is that we are talking about. So be prepared to be empowered tonight. Amen? All right. So tonight's topic, though, on this week four, I've titled it Faith Boosters and Faith Busters. 
And that's just a fancy way of saying, what are those things that help increase your faith? And what are those things that kind of get in your way, get in the way of your faith being uh, effective? Effective. So we do have a PowerPoint, and you're welcome to follow along. But again, I do encourage you to take as many of your own notes as you can. And um, as we go through here, if it's difficult to see some of the scriptures, I will be reading and that kind of thing. So hopefully you guys will all be able to follow along. But with that being said, we're going to get started. We're going to talk about faith busters. I, I figured I wanted to start with the busters so that we could end with the boosters and end on a high note. Everybody likes to end on a high note, right? All right, so we'll talk about these things that aren't maybe necessarily so fun, but uh, in the end, we'll, we will rise to the occasion. So faith busters, what is a faith buster? Basically, anything that weakens your faith and prevents it from becoming fully developed. Remember we talked about faith being like a muscle, right? So it's either weak or it's strong. It's not like you have more or less. So I want us to remember that as we're going through these topics here tonight. Anything that weakens your faith and prevents it from becoming fully developed. Fully developed. This is the, an ongoing, lifelong process of developing and strengthening our faith. So by identifying these busters, we can also avoid potential pitfalls and roadblocks that slow down the process of spiritual maturity, which is, again, what our goal is, is as a child of God, is to continue to pursue spiritual maturity. And so by identifying these things tonight, we're going to hopefully be able to avoid some of those traps and those pitfalls and those roadblocks that the enemy throws in our way to try to weaken our faith. So with that being said, most of us have some areas in our lives where our faith is really strong and other areas of our life where our faith maybe isn't so strong, is a little bit weaker. I know for me, just based on my family experience, my background and growing up, I was raised in a house where faith in regards to healing was very, very strong. Okay, there was, uh, I, I am blessed to come from a line of uh, very healthy individuals, so sickness really didn't affect my life growing up as far as major illnesses and things like that. And if it did attempt to come into our family, all I knew was a praying mom and a praying grandmama that said, oh no, Satan, not here, not today, right? And so that for me was something that exposed me early on to how to apply my faith in that specific area with regards to believing God for my healing. However, there was another part of life where based on experiences in the household, I did not know how to apply my faith the same way towards believing God, let's say, for um, increase or financial stability, okay? There was a lack of education in that area that sort of uh, overtook and blocked our ability to apply our faith in that same area. So for me personally, and I'm just encouraging you guys to think for yourself, what is it that you believe 
hey, you know what? Yeah, I've been able to exercise my faith in that area and see results, but this area over here, I'm still kind of struggling to have strong faith and exercise it to the point where I know that I'm going to get results. So tonight, I'm hoping to, again, give you guys some strategies on how to ensure that in every area of our lives, we are confident and that our faith is strong to be able to apply it to see the results according to God's word. Sound good? Okay, so take a mental note because you guys know that at the end of this, I have a little action plan and a little homework that I usually give to you guys. And one of those assignments, I'm just going to give you a little uh, preview, is going to be for you yourself to identify what are some of the areas in your life where your faith is strong and where your faith is weak. And we'll be able to go forward from there. Sound good? All right. So now that we've kind of identified what a faith buster is, when we move on to the next slide, we're going to see some very familiar terms. Because these faith busters, some, some of these look like those mountains we were talking about, right? And those giants we were talking about last week. So I have listed on here, number one, that one of the biggest faith busters that we face is the spirit of doubt. Okay, and doubt was also identified as that mountain or that giant that gets in the way of us receiving the promise of God. So what I wanted to make sure that I do on number one with doubt, because it's very, very important to make this clarification. If you have gone back and reviewed some of the previous lessons in this series, you might have heard me say that the scriptures we looked at talked about having doubt in your heart. And so I made a distinction about sometimes how doubts will come to our minds and our job is to make sure it doesn't settle in our hearts. I want to be clear that doubt is an enemy to your faith. Whether it's in your mind or whether it's in your heart, it's an enemy to your faith. What we need to do is make sure that doubt is not a perpetual or a continuous presence in our minds and in our thoughts because if it is, it's going to contaminate our faith, and eventually, it's going to produce that unbelief, okay? So please be very clear that what I wanted to make sure is that we're not getting caught up in legalism, where if you have a moment of doubt or a fleeting thought of, hmm, I wonder, you know, and then we condemn ourselves and say, oh, you know, I must not have faith and God isn't going to help me and that kind of thing because I had a split-second thought, right? I'm talking about doubt that is perpetual and continuous, and that's all you think about is the negative and the, you know, the contrast to God's word. That is dangerous. That will contaminate your faith, and it will cause unbelief in your heart. So regardless of whether it's in your heart or in your mind, our job is to cast out all doubt, all doubt. It is not your friend. Do not make friends with the spirit of doubt, okay? And with that being said, I wanted to be able to uh, give you just a scriptural reference that I didn't write down on the PowerPoint, but it's a familiar one that most of us have at least heard in our lifetimes once or twice, probably more than that. But what I wanted to do was read with regards to our minds what the God says about it from Romans 12 too. So you can write it down or, or if you have your Bibles with you and you like to follow along, 
I'm going to read Romans 12, 2 from the New King James Version as it applies to what do we do with thoughts of doubt that come to our mind. Romans 12, 2 says, And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So here in Romans 12, 2, just going back, do not be conformed to the world. The way the world operates is they are simply operating on a mental plane. They don't operate from a supernatural heart condition the way we do as spiritual uh, Christians. Okay, so it says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed, transformed by the renewing of your mind. Your mind must continuously be renewed. It is not a one-time event that takes place. You cannot show up on a Sunday morning one day uh, and, and pray all the negative thoughts away and they'll never come back again. It is a constant, continual renewing of our minds that we need to do. And then there's a purpose for that. God continues to go on and he says that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. All of us have said, Lord, what is your will for me in whatever the situation is? When we renew our minds in this word, the Holy Spirit will reveal to you what is good for you and what is God's will for you in whatever situation that you're dealing with. So remember that, okay? Doubt is not our friend, whether it comes to our minds or not, or whether it seeps into our hearts or not. We need to make sure that we know what God's position is with doubt. Is that clear for everybody? You guys good? Okay, good. So I wanted to knock that one out the way right out the bat, that number one faith buster is going to be perpetual and continuous doubt. Okay? Now, at the same time, I call them those negative towers that just kind of bookend our lives. Doubt and fear just kind of always seem to come together, right? So number two, as a faith buster, is going to be fear. And once again, Fear was something that we identified as a mountain or a giant that seems to get in our way of receiving God's promises. So, same principle, perpetual and continuous feelings of fear will contaminate your faith because it's an indication, it's an indication that you're not fully trusting God, okay? And again, I will make this distinction. For me, my revelation that I have is that it's probably going to be impossible to avoid if you're faced with a very, you know, threatening situation, let's just say, to have a moment where you feel fear. But it's what you do in that moment that counts, okay? Don't let that fear take up residence and reside and make itself comfortable in your life, okay? It is a faith buster. You may feel it, but the moment you feel it, you need to speak your faith so that what rises up in you is the confidence to move forward in spite of that fear. Amen? Okay, so this is what I want you guys to make sure that you are clear so that you don't get yourself into bondage, that the enemy doesn't lie to you and tell you that if you have a moment where you feel fear, or a moment where a thought comes to your head, 
that you condemn yourself immediately and disqualify yourself from the blessing. Don't do that. God gives you a specific formula of how to get on track and stay in your lane and make sure that no matter what the arrows come that the enemy tries to throw at you, there is no weapon formed against you that will prosper. Okay? So those weapons are going to come. They're going to come. But God says they will not prosper against you. So that is what I want you guys to be bold and confident enough to know. And even if, again, I only have a short period of time with you guys, so even if there is still some residual um, misunderstanding or lack of uh, revelation regarding anything that we've talked about over these four weeks, my encouragement to you is take it to prayer and ask the Holy Spirit to work on your heart to bring you truth in a way that you can accept it and receive it and then act on it. Amen? Okay, because this takes practice. You know, it's easy for me to get up here and give you guys these steps and tell you this kind of thing, and I know. I know because I had to actually put it into practice, and it took more than just one time to make it work or to see results. So I know it's not easy, and it is going to take practice, but um, we're, we're not intimidated by, by practice. So don't let fear take up residence or get comfortable in your life because it does not belong there. Belong there. So those were pretty obvious faith busters, right? Doubt and fear. So let's move on and see what else the Lord gave me to identify. But before we do, he did give me again another scripture to be able to share with you guys because I always say, my opinion doesn't count. It's about what God says that really matters that's going to transform your life. Yes, ma'am, I have a question in the front. She said she once heard that someone said fear is an acronym for false evidence appearing real. How many of you guys have heard that acronym before? A couple of folks, right? There's another way that I've heard that too. Face everything and run. Is that what it is? Face everything, yeah, and run. <laughs> or face everything and run. So it's just a matter of fear. Look, false evidence. Fear is a liar. You guys have heard, have you guys heard that song on the radio, Fear is a Liar? Someone just introduced me to that song and I thought, oh, that is right on point. Because it's causing you to worry about something that hasn't even happened yet, right? So it's really about us being empowered with the knowledge to call fear out for the liar that, he, that it is, right? It comes from the enemy. And anything that comes from the enemy, we know, is a lie because he's the father of lies, according to scripture. Nothing out of his mouth is the truth. So, thank you for sharing that, because it puts perspective on the fact that, you know what? Yeah, fear don't live here, because fear is not even real unless I empower it to cause me to make decisions that go against God's word, and that's not our plan. So I wanted to read from James 14, 27. And I believe my version on the screen is the amplified version. It says, peace I leave with you. This is Jesus speaking. He says, peace I leave with you. My own peace I now give and bequeath to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Do not let your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. And here's what I love about the Amplified Version, that stuff in the parentheses, that's real good stuff. Listen to this. Stop allowing yourselves to be agitated and disturbed 
and do not permit yourselves to be fearful and intimidated and cowardly and unsettled. The reason why I put this scripture in tonight's lesson, ladies and gentlemen, is because we have a job to do. Remember how we started out this series and we said, you know, there's some things that we need to do, some things that God needs to do, some things that I as your teacher need to do. We need to understand that God says, do not let or allow or permit yourself. So who's in control of that? We are, right? And if you recall, I also said, even those things that God tells us to do, we still need his help to do it. The point is, he's not going to do it for you. You have to be an active participant in this process, okay? Because we have a free will. We have a free will. But if we align our will with his, that's where the power comes from. So I want you to know that based on this scripture, you do have the power to be able to not let yourself feel the fear. Yes? Oh, did I say John? Okay. I will have to double check that. That might be a typo, but thank you for that. Um, maybe it was James 4.27 or John 14.20. Okay, see, this is where we work together. John, let's see. Yes, it is. It's John 14, 27. And Charlie, I'm glad you mentioned that because this will be my moment to sort of give you a little disclaimer. So last night when I was preparing to send this PowerPoint to Pastor, actually it was before the night, it was in the afternoon, um, my lovely computer decided it wanted to have a little hissy fit, right? And it just crashed. And when it crashed, unfortunately, this intelligent woman forgot to save her materials and then I had to go and rely on the Holy Spirit to re bring all that stuff back to my members. So at 10 o'clock last night I probably miss, you know, uh, misorchestrated some of these uh, terms here but I thank you for being a very studious person and catching that because that actually should say John 14. 27. But yeah, it was, again, the enemy's coming at you, you know, you're doing something, and the, the temptation was real, I must say, you know, uh, we, we're not exempt, those of us who stand, you know, in the front, we're not exempt from those attacks, and I said, okay, I got you, I'm going to do this anyway. Yes, ma'am, I have another question. What, what was that last I know. It's so funny because also when I teach, it's really just the Holy Spirit speaking, so I'm not always certain, but she was asking what the sentence was about being empowered. Um, yes, I was saying, thank you. Um, I was saying we have a free will, but if we al align our will with his will, we become empowered to be able to overcome the fear and not let it overcome us in one way or another that was what thank you thanks see i got this is why i have you guys take notes i'm telling you this is important okay this is really important and thank you for your engagement i appreciate that um because again my my intention is for us to be able to take this and apply it in our everyday lives so in order to get to the apply part we have to get understanding and before we can get understanding we have to get knowledge and so right now I'm delivering the knowledge and I'm praying for the Holy Spirit to bring understanding and then that way we can go out and apply so there you go we have the power 
to not let fear take up residence in our hearts. Amen? All right, you guys are awesome. Now, what I was saying is we were going to go on and identify some more faith busters. And as obvious as one and two were with doubt and fear, number three is pretty obvious too. Well, let me take that back. It's obvious to me now. I did not know early on, though, how stress, anxiety, and worry really did have an effect and an impact on my faith. Okay, so let's look at this. Faith buster number three. If you were under perpetual and continual stress, anxiety, and worry, those feelings will contaminate your faith because it's an indication that you are operating in toil, okay? Stress, worry, and anxiety. When I say operating in toil, you are doing too much. And in fact, you're probably trying to do God's job, and that results in toil every single time, okay? So if I'm stressed, or if I'm worried, or I'm anxious, again, all the time, then I need to check myself because I need to ask myself, am I really trusting that God's got this? You know, I say on the one hand, oh, Lord, you know, you are my healer. And in the next minute, I'm confessing, you know, stress and worry that, oh, my gosh, I don't know what's going to happen. And, you know, all of this panic starts to come out, you know, or our kids start acting a little funny here and there. And, you know, even though God's gave us a promise, right, that if we cover them, right, and raise them up in the way they should go, that they're going to be good and not depart. But again, the temptation is there. The temptation is real because of the sense of sometimes what you're looking at really is threatening in a way, but it's what you do when you're faced with it. So I want you guys to know that stress is not good. Anxiety is not good. Worry is not good. And it should not be a perpetual, continuous, ongoing thing. The minute it comes to you, you need to be able to reject it. Reject it, reject it. Remember, not letting it come and take up residence. So one of my favorite scriptures in the entire Bible, one of many, one of many, many, is Philippians 4, 6, and 7. And I love this reading in various translations, but I believe this translation is the NLT version, if I'm not mistaken. And this one right here, I love because it is so like obvious, like, like God leaves nothing to be misunderstood in this. So let's look at what Philippians 4, 6, and 7 say. Do not worry, okay, about anything. We could just stop right there. This is God's words telling us, do not worry about anything, but instead, okay, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and your minds as you live in Christ Jesus. If you are ever feeling under the weight of stress, anxiety and worry, this is the scripture you need to meditate on. Because for me, instant peace, instant comfort, okay? Because what I love about the word is God doesn't just tell us not to do something, right? Oh, don't worry. Oh, don't stress. Oh, don't be anxious. 
He gives us what we should be doing, right? We should be what? Telling him what we need, even though he already knows, he still tells us to, you know, tell him what we need or ask for what we need. But in the asking, ladies and gentlemen, there is a thanksgiving that accompanies that, okay? Thank him for all that he has done. And when you do, then again, you see, he just keeps on making it better and better. When you do, it says the peace that exceeds, and some versions say surpasses your understanding. You know how we get stuck in that mode of, well, I don't understand. You don't have to understand. You just have to believe. You just have to trust, right? I remember one of my uh, mentors gave an example about how, and actually Pastor and I were talking about this this morning, I think, about how in the world, we don't question things half as much as we do when it comes to the things of God, okay? Every single one of us walked into this room, and even though I'm standing now, I was sitting earlier, you came in and you sat down in that chair without hesitation, right? Because in your minds, you believed this is a chair, it was built for sitting, so I'm not gonna question, I'm not gonna come up and, well, let me see, Mm." and I'm looking at the chairs and I'm examining it, right? And and I, I say to myself, now, I'm not sure if I understand how they engineered that thing, so I don't know how it's going to hold me, so I'm just going to stand here while everybody else is sitting. Like, that would be insane, right? We just come, it's a chair, and we sit. Another example was, um, I was talking with um, Jeannie earlier about cell phones. Most of us in this room do not know or understand how in the world we can access as much stuff as we do on our cell phones. Matter of fact, we don't even care. We just want it to work, right? You don't read the instruction manuals from top to bottom and then, you know, analyze this and debate this. Everything in the world, we just take it because they say, oh, here it is, remote control. How is it I can sit on my sofa and use a, you know, plastic stick pointed at the TV and the channels change? I don't know. And I know that I don't need to know. I just know that it needs to work. And when it does, I'm good, right? Push the button on, push the button off, TV off, on, right? But when God says, do not worry because I've got this, we go, well, I don't know. God, are you, are you sure you have this? Because I'm looking at this and it doesn't look right and I don't understand it, you know, with my finite little mind. Ladies and gentlemen, the freedom that comes with not allowing. Now, I'm not saying don't seek understanding, okay? Because he says in all you're getting, get understanding, get wisdom, okay? However, if for whatever reason he chooses not to fully reveal understanding regarding his promise, I want you to promise me that you won't let that stop you from taking ownership of the promise and you won't forfeit it based on not having understanding. Does that sound good? Okay, so when he's telling us this, not to worry about anything, but instead pray about everything. Tell him what you need. Thank him for all he's done. And then you will experience, that's what I was saying, the freedom that comes with not having to understand everything will exceed your understanding. It goes beyond it. So that's even better, right? It's going to guard our hearts and our minds. And that last sentence, remember that sentence right there will guard your hearts and your minds as you live, live 
We need to start living. We need to stop playing the survival game and start commanding ourselves or, or putting a, a demand on our lives to thrive, not just survive, okay? We're here to live this life. So that is a very in-depth sort of explanation of how stress, anxiety, and worry, number three, is a buster to your faith, or it weakens and gets in the way of your faith producing results. All right, so are we done with stress, anxiety, and worry? We're not going to carry that around with us perpetually and continually, right, because we have a game plan now. We're going to give it to God, we're going to pray about it, and we're going to let it go. And that's an, that's an assignment I'm going to give you guys tonight. I remember when I was struggling with sleeping because I had so much stuff going on in my head. How many people have been there? You can't sleep because you got, yep, worrying about the next thing and the next thing, what's coming up tomorrow. Like she said, tomorrow's not even here yet, and we already worry about it. Matter of fact, the scripture say, don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow's got enough worries for itself, right? When you go to sleep or when you lay down to go to sleep and you do what the word says, cast your cares on him, because he cares for you, and then you receive in exchange the gift of rest. Don't worry, don't stress. It is a gift. Go to sleep. Someone told me, while well, you sleeping, God's working. Matter of fact, he does his best work while you sleep because you're not getting in the way. <laughs> Amen? All right. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Sometimes because you're not, the, the Bible says, what are you going to add and gain to your life by worrying? What? Matter of fact, you lose. You gain nothing from worrying, okay? So we're done with that. We're done with that, and we have biblical support to do that. So I'm going to keep us going on this buster train here, and we're going to go on to the next slide and look at number four and number five. Number four, faith buster, an untamed tongue. Ooh, oh, ouch. Some of these kind of hurt because they're like, they speak right to what we're sometimes dealing with, right? I use the example, and there's many, many, many different examples I could have put in this particular category. But an untamed tongue, as it refers to murmuring and complaining. Nothing's going to kill your faith faster or weaken your faith faster than a murmuring and a complaining tongue. Again, I'll use the example of sickness. If I'm believing by faith that I'm healed, but what I'm speaking perpetually and continuously is, oh, why? Why me? Oh, there's the why me, right? We, <laughs> why me? Why do I have to be dealing with this? Why do I have to go through this? So-and-so isn't going through this. They did this and they did that. Nah, 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 nah. And we all know what held up our ancestors from receiving their promise in the beginning, it was the murmuring and the complaining. So, bridle it. We got to stop murmuring, complaining against the one thing that we say we're believing for, okay? It will act as a curse, curse to your faith. Not just weaken your faith, but it curses your faith, right? So we have to be careful not to murmur or complain. Now, there's a difference. You know, I know we have to sometimes discuss what we're going through, but there's a way to do that without emphasizing the murmuring and the complaining, okay? It's just like with sickness. Faith does not deny the circumstances. So you may have to say what it is, 
but you don't have to say it in a way where you're continuously focusing on the problem instead of focusing on the solution, okay? Anytime someone asks me when I'm under the weather and it's, it's obvious that I'm under the weather, that I'm sick, it's like, first of all, they'll say, well, are you sick? Well, duh, you can see that I'm sick, right? But if I continuously say all day long to every single person that I come into contact with, oh yeah, I'm sick, oh, I'm sick, or even that under the weather thing, I remember my pastor said, what are you doing under there? Get out from under that weather, right? We're on top, we're not the bottom. So what I love to do, and again, I think I taught on this about how we just restructure and reframe our words so that we're speaking to the situation from a faith perspective. So are you sick? Well, I'm experiencing some symptoms right now, but I'm believing for my healing. Or I'm waiting on manifestation you know, of my healing. And again, that might be a little over the top for some people, but that's okay, it's my body, it's not their body. I need to believe what I need to believe and say what I need to say in order for that to happen. So you have the power, again, to control your mouth so that you are not, as soon as those faith words go out, you cancel them with negativity by murmuring and complaining. Watch how you speak about your situations, okay? Remember, I told you guys, this is gonna be part of your homework, so you're gonna leave out of here and you're gonna assess what situation you're in and you're gonna say, it never fails. Whenever I tell people stuff like this, they instantly catch themselves when they'll say something and they'll go, oh, you know. I, I teach about how people say all the time, oh, I'm trying to do this, or I'm, I'm trying to do that. And I say, oh, you're trying, huh? You must not be trying too hard, right? That's because try is an honest lie. Try is like a back door, right? Try is, well, you know, if I don't make it, at least I already have an excuse. Don't try. I want you to be intentional and purpose to do whatever it is that you're going to do. So the stress, worry, and anxiety, or taming my tongue, oh, well, I, I try not to complain and murmur, but I just can't help myself. No, 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 no. I am purposing to put a guard over my mouth so I do not contaminate my faith. So whenever you find yourself saying the word try, each and every one of you is going to catch yourself and you're going to say, oh, no, I'm not going to try to be at church on Sunday. I'm going to purpose to be at church on Sunday. There's an intention behind there that makes all the difference in the world. So I just thought I'd throw that in there for you guys as a freebie. It's not on the slide, but you know, you can have that one tonight for free. All right, so let's move on to number five, faith busters. This one, remember how I said some of those other ones were a little obvious, right? Fear, doubt, stress, worry. Number five is compromise. Did you know that compromise has the potential to be a buster to your faith? What do I mean by that? Failing to fully commit to what you say you believe and continuously settling for less then what you've asked for are behaviors that are gonna short circuit your faith. Because you're not even giving your faith a chance to strengthen itself because it's kind of like you back out right before the big breakthrough. You settle, you'll be believing God, let's say for a specific, I don't know, house. Let's just say, let's just say you believe in God for a specific house. And you know, you know in your heart that God told you that was your house, right? But you're looking at the numbers, or you're looking at the reports, or the, you know, things are coming back, and there's uh, one roadblock after another. You guys know that's not a smooth process from A to Z of buying a home, right? So instead, what happens is, oh, well, you know what, since that house is causing so much trouble, or it's not seeming to be, you know, going smoothly, 
this one over here, eh, it's nice. It's not the one I want, but it's available. It's available now, so let me go get that one. And we just short-circuit our faith in believing God for what it is we really want. So compromise, now again, just in this context. Okay, remember to always keep things in context. I know sometimes we do have to compromise, you know, especially those of us that are in relationships and stuff like that, right? But I'm talking about as far as what you are believing God for, what he has told you is yours, and you um, compromising and settling for less than what you know, what you know is yours. I tell people we have been called, we know the word says we've been called to the abundant life, but too many of us right now are settling for an average life, right? Because, eh, you know, I don't want to, you know, ask for too much, you know, and I don't want to ruffle any feathers, you know, God's busy, I'll just, I'll just stick with what I got here, you know, and I won't challenge myself to stretch my faith to believe for what he says that I can have. That's a faith buster. Your faith is never going to arise above what you keep pulling the rug out from under yourself with that. Does that make sense to you guys there? Okay. As far as the context in which I'm talking about compromise. Okay. Compromise. We don't compromise this word, right? We don't water down this word, right? Well, at least we shouldn't, right? To fit either our perspective or anyone else's perspective. We don't compromise. And I should have found, I know there's a scripture in here that probably talks about that. And I didn't find it. So maybe that'll be part of your homework too, finding a scripture that talks about compromise in that regard. Okay. You guys doing all right out there? Yes, awesome, awesome, awesome. We're going to keep moving because I always, always have more on my plate than I intend to, or the time allows me for. So these I want to get through because they're good. They're good. So I'm moving on to the next slide. I'm moving on to number six, faith busters. This is another one that might not be so obvious, but I can speak from experience. That is not offense. That's offense the spirit of offense, or offense, excuse me, meaning our faith weakens when we become resentful or bitter about the process we have to go through to live by faith, right? Don't take it personally or get offended when your faith is tested because it is vitally necessary to your spiritual maturity. Don't be bitter or resentful or be offended when your faith is tested. You know, that goes back to what I was saying about how we have that why me syndrome, right? Why me? Well, let's just see what God says about the whys, the whys. I am going to read a scripture that I don't believe is on the screen. I'm going to go to James 1-2. James 1-2, if you're just writing it down or if you're looking up and following along. All right, Madam Hartley, come on. There we go. All right, so we're talking about being offended and how being offended can bust our faith or weaken our faith. Here's what God says, James 1, 2. It says, my brethren and my sisters, okay, consider it all joy. Consider it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. Okay, that's James 1, 2. It says, count it all joy when you fall into various trials and temptations, right? 
knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. He didn't say that the testing and the trials and temptations were joyful. He says you can count it as joy because what's coming is a reward, and the reward is patience, and we know that through faith and patience we inherit the promises of God. You guys see how all this is tying together? Like I said before, God never tells us to not do something without giving us uh, something good to do and getting a good result. So don't take it personally. I used to, I used to take it personally. When the devil was messing with me, I was like, you know what? Stomping my foot like this. I'm a good person. Why are you messing with me? You know, I'm not out doing this, that, and the other, and here you are messing with me. And God was like, girlfriend, that's exactly why he's messing with you, because you are doing right, right? But don't take it personally. Don't get offended. You've got the whole army of heaven backing you up, and I have a purpose for your life. So put on your armor and go forward and hand the defeat to the enemy. And again, you guys see when I get all animated about stuff because I, again, I've been through my wilderness journey and I know that taking things personally or getting offended, somebody said something to hurt my feelings or I didn't get the promotion that, you know, I know I deserved and everything. Promotion comes from the Lord. So why am I looking to man to give me that, right? So many things. If we can eliminate getting offended and taking things personally, the level of your faith is going to rise because you're going to know who your true source is. Amen? Okay, so again, just something to consider. I know it might be a little bit, uh, a lot to take in in just this one hour, but it's good, good stuff. So don't get offended. Don't take it personally. Um, oh, there's one more scripture I want to read with this one. This one must be really important because God gave me two scriptures for this one. All right, I'm going to read from 1 Peter 4.12. 1 Peter 4.12. This one's also not on the on the slide there. 1 Peter 4, 12. Again, he says, beloved. Okay, he's talking to us. He says, this is so, I love the scripture. Do not think that it is strange concerning the fiery trial which is upon you, as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice. There it is again. Rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings that when his glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. There's that word again, joy. And he's talking about trials. It's like, how do those two go together? He says, don't worry. Like I said, it don't, it's not strange that this thing is happening to you. It's happening to everyone. Number one, we all think it always happens just to us, right? But we all go through it. We all go through the trials. And God is saying, be of good courage. Know that joy is coming, what, in the morning, right? So it may not mean daytime morning. It means when this thing is over, you will have your joy when you're standing at the end of this. So don't think it's strange. Don't worry. Everything's okay. You know, we do have to take personal inventory, though, to make sure that we aren't deliberately walking in disobedience and brought, bringing on those trials. But if you know that you've been doing everything that God has told you to do and you're doing your very best and you're still getting attacked, don't worry. Don't condemn yourself. God's got a plan, and it's going to be out. It's going to uh, result in your good. Okay? So those were just a few scriptures that I wanted to be able to support that particular faith buster. So let me talk about number seven, which talks about an unguarded heart. Faith buster, an unguarded heart. 
This one's important. I think this is the one I leave you guys on with the busters. Toxic and ungodly environments, such as people, places, and things, are extremely dangerous to your faith because you become more susceptible to becoming saturated by negativity. So, if you are purposing to grow your faith or you need to believe God for something and you know it's going to take a lot of strength and trust and believing God for this particular thing, the last thing you need to do is continuously keep putting yourself in environments that is, again, counter to what it is that you're believing for. Okay, you have to monitor your environments. Those environments include people, okay? There's some people that I just could not hang around while I'm standing and believing God for something because, again, you know what they come with? The murmuring and the gossiping, that untamed tongue. And I'm like, oh, please don't come into my space with that. Protect your space, right? That negativity, don't be around that. But here's the thing. It's not just people. The other thing we have to be careful of when we're standing and believing God for something and we need our faith to be strong is that piece of electronics that sits in our living rooms or our bedrooms, right, and has shows on it that probably don't really speak to uh, the lifestyle that we're pursuing and we get enamored by things like gossip and drama or even the news. I don't watch the news no more because when I was going through my season of wilderness, that was the last thing I needed to hear was something bad about who got, who got killed, what, did, you know, what fell through now, what's on fire here, kids in the school, negative, negative, negative. Now again, I'm not saying anything wrong where you guys can't go home, I'm just saying for you, you monitor and you put boundaries in with what it is that you expose yourself to and there may be a season of your life that you have to unplug. Okay, disconnect, because if it's negative, it's toxic to your faith. Gossiping, jealous people, murmuring, um, again, bad televisions, bad movies, those kinds of things, you are in control of not allowing those environments to come in and create a toxic environment where your faith is choked out, right, because of all of that stuff. Again, get in the Word, okay? Just like there's stuff on... Like I used to go to you know, YouTube because I can control what I watched on that. So I had a choice. I can either put on worldly stuff or there's hundreds of thousands of sermons or something positive that I can feed my faith with. Feed it with the positivity, not the negativity. You can control that. So putting those boundaries in. Guarding your heart, meaning your eyes and your ears. That's what, how it seeps into your heart. What are you listening to and what are you watching when your faith is on the line, you gotta be very, very careful. Make sense? Make sense? This is practical stuff, right? Stuff that every single one of us can pretty much do, again, with the help of the Holy Spirit. It's not, as they say, rocket science, right? Okay, so those were, from what I believe, all of my faith busters, okay? Well, again, not an all-inclusive list, but enough for tonight, okay? So what I told you guys I wanted to do was end on a good note. So I wanna talk about our faith boosters, right? I wanna talk about faith boosters on the next slide. What are faith boosters? Well, those are gonna be the activities and the behaviors that actually enhance or accelerate the development 
of our faith, right? There's actually something you can do to help accelerate and elevate uh, the development of your faith, the strength of your faith. And the number one thing that you can do, according to scripture, this is number one, a faith booster, is to simply hear the word. Because according to Romans 10, 17, your faith comes or is strengthened by hearing and hearing by the word of God, okay? Hearing the word, Romans 10, 17, all right? So you need a boost in your faith, start listening to the word. I used to go to sleep, when, you guys remember I was telling you about sleep and how you cast your cares on God and so you can go to sleep and be at peace? I would go to sleep with um, my headphones in and I would listen to you know, a sermon of my pastor or someone, that my mentor, who would not. I make sure that I was hearing something that was going to boost my faith and not, as opposed to before, I'd go to sleep with a television on or whatever, and you guys know you can't control what comes on after midnight on that, so you may be asleep, your TV's on, and what's it doing? It's pumping all this stuff into your subconscious and into your spirit, man, and you wake up feeling like, well, why do I feel? Well, look at what was going on behind the scenes. Control that, okay? Listen to the word. Listen to the word. Very, very important. Hearing the word. Oh, and this is important too. Not just hearing the word from others. You got to hear it from yourself, which means that goes back to the power of our words. Speaking the word so that you hear yourself increasing your faith. You got to hear yourself talk about the word too, okay? Hearing the word. And what goes with that is number two, what I just said, speaking the word. So don't just hear it, and we're talking about the scriptures, but speaking the word. We know that in Proverbs 18.21, it tells us that death and life are in the power of the tongue. So remember how I said, you know, we put our faith out there, and then we say something else that curses it, right? And it's this counterproductive thing that we got going on, and we're trying to figure out why we don't get results. Make sure that you are speaking life to your situation, to your faith, and life is the word of God. The power of confession, I'm, I'm huge on that based on, on scripture. Don't kill your faith with your, with your words. Okay, so hearing the word, number one, speaking the word, number two. Let's look at number three, studying the word. Number three is studying the word. So we're not just hearing it, we're not just confessing it, but now, just like all of you guys right now are taking notes and you're in this class, we're going to become students of the Word of God. My faith went to a whole nother level when I committed intentionally to deepening my understanding about God's Word. And I became a student. That means that, I, again, I got my pens, my, my favorite purple highlighters out, you know, favorite purple Bible, whatever it is that gets you stirred up and excited to get into this word. Um, and they even have study Bibles. And, you know, I would find, do research online. Find out whatever the situation is that you're standing in faith about. You need to absorb as much information about that situation as possible in order to increase or boost your faith, okay? Studying the word, one of the ways that I like to do this too, it says specifically as it pertains to how faith was applied by numerous others in the Bible. So, you know, you can go all the way back to how Abraham believed God, right? And used his faith to get a result. 
So you put yourself in that same situation. Or you can go, again, from Old Testament to New Testament and find examples of how people, others, whether in the Bible or even in the natural that you know of, how did you stand, you know, believing God for whatever it is? And, and how did you increase your faith? Let me study, right, what someone else who's already gone before me has done and succeeded. Very important. Okay, so that's number three. Faith boosters. Study the word. Become a student of the word. Number four, if you want your faith to grow and strengthen, you've got to know who you are in Christ Jesus. Okay, you have to know the truth about your identity because if you don't, you won't believe what God says about you. You may say, oh, that's good for someone else, right? Or that's good for them or that worked for them. No, it's got to work for you. So you have to take ownership of it. You have to know that when he's speaking, he's speaking to you, okay? Knowing your identity and who you are in Christ will raise your level of faith. Part of the knowing your identity is knowing your authority in Christ so that those things that, again, tried to come up on us like stress, worry, anxiety, fear, doubt, you have the authority to cast those things away and stand on the fact that, oh, no, I am a child of God. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. All things work out for the good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. You, you need to have like a, uh, <laughs> I saw this demonstration where it was like a, um, what is it, an automatic, right? Just get that word coming out of your mouth, left and right. Whenever you need to increase and boost your faith, you've got to study the word so that you can say, no, this is who I am. This is who God says I am, right? Doesn't matter what anybody else, that, that's going to boost your faith, knowing who you are in Christ. That was number four. So I know I'm kind of going a little bit quickly through these, but because I know you have access to them at a later date, I'm not extremely concerned, but I also want to be mindful of your time. So we're moving on to number five. We're still talking about faith boosters now. We're bringing this thing up. Number five says, very simply, remain grateful. An attitude of gratitude is going to increase and boost your faith. When you are maintaining that attitude of gratitude, it's always going to go. So remember we read the scripture in Philippians 4, 6 and 7. It says, not only just ask God, but then thank him. for everything. One of the, two of the most powerful prayers that I pray is, thank you, Jesus, and help me, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, and help me, Jesus, right? So thank you first. I always thank him first. I always start with the thanksgiving. That's what the scripture says. Start with the thanksgiving. And now I can enter in with my petition, okay? So an attitude of gratitude. Be thankful, be grateful for whatever it is you have and what, wherever it is you are, okay? And when you do that, when God sees that you are faithful with where you are, he can then promote you to where you need to be. Remain grateful, very simply. Number six. Number six comes from scripture that says pray in the spirit. Simply meaning, and I won't get into too much detail tonight, but for those of you who are filled with the power of the Holy Spirit and you believe in speaking in other tongues, that particular scripture in Jude 1.20 um, that says, beloved, build yourself up on your most holy faith, 
praying in the Spirit. It's, again, what I've been telling people all this week about leveling up. There's this level right here, which is your normal, natural um, access, if you will, to God through prayer. But there's another level that we access in this realm, and it's in the spirit realm, that when we pray in our heavenly language, according to Jude 120, we build, right, or boost up our most holy faith. So I always look at as that's as close to perfection as as close to perfection as I can get in my prayers is to pray in the spirit. So I encourage you that if this particular faith booster um, doesn't bring a, the understanding or the revelation to a point where you are able to apply it, then this is part of your homework, right? This is part of what I tell you about going and researching, talking to people um, who have knowledge of this particular subject matter who can help you so that you maximize your ability to grow your faith. But Jude 1.20, pray in the Spirit. So that's number six. I do have a couple more. I want to talk about number seven because it's one of my favorite faith boosters. Number seven talks about praise and worship. And as you can see, I'm already dancing up here because I love, 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 love being able to spend daily time in praise and worship. It boosts my faith beyond words. Okay, I was, before coming over here today, I was washing dishes. And one of my things is whenever I'm in the bathroom or in the kitchen, it's praise and worship music on. And it just helps me forget about the fact that I'm cleaning my toilets or washing my dishes, right? So I love that. And I love that. And it gives me an opportunity to sacrifice unto the Lord with my praise and my worship. So if you want your faith to grow and strengthen, daily sacrifice of listening to music, singing and dancing unto the Lord will elevate your faith effortlessly. Again, when those heavy weights are on me, instead of trying to pick those heavy weights up and throw them off of me, I just start either praying in the Spirit or singing and dancing unto the Lord, right? All of a sudden, five, ten minutes into it, I'm able to walk lighter because, again, those heavy burdens just seem to be lifted by the one who's only capable of taking, and that's God himself. So if you are not... Um, to a point where if I asked you what your favorite, you know, praise and worship song was, and you have to think about it, I want you guys to have a playlist going, okay? I have a playlist of some of my favorite praise and worship songs, music, singing, and dancing, as David did, unto the Lord, and your faith is going to increase, all right? So that one's an easy one. We can all do that. Number eight is an easy one, too. What I mean by easy is something you can apply right now. If you intentionally recall your past victories, your faith is going to skyrocket. Because in that moment when you're faced with something, again, all you see is the problem. But if you stop and pause and it's in your heart and you can recall, one of the ways that the best recall is journaling, you will have uh, an influx of strength that comes by remembering, hey, you know what? We've been here before. And when we were here last time, God showed up. And so you know what? God's going to show up again, right? But you have to have that either in your heart or have that vision in your eyes to remind you. We always got to be reminded every now and again, okay? Keep a gratitude journal. I do that every day. Every day I write down from the littlest things to the biggest things, okay? Just remembering what God has done because he always, always, always comes through. 
He may not come through the way you expect him to, okay, but he is faithful to his word. So I always say, he told you that you're going to win. So if you haven't won yet, it's not the end. We got to go back to the playbook. We got to back it up. We got to reverse it and start over again, but we don't quit. We don't quit because we already have the victory. So my faith is boosted and increased when I remember my God, who you guys remember when we did the um, moving mountains and slaying giants, and David said, hey, wait a minute, this giant, he's nothing, because you know what, when God helped me slay that bear and that lion, he's going to help me slay this giant too. So for you too, whatever it is, God's got you. Just recall all of your past victories and get ready to celebrate, because we win, we win, we win. So I want you guys to take all of what we've been learning over these four weeks regarding your faith and just stir yourself up. Whenever you feel yourself settling down and getting just a little bit too comfortable and you're just not really moving in it, you say you do like we do with the, um, the juice and the pulp settles down, shake yourself up, shake yourself up. Let that stir up in you, okay, so that you can be bold and confident. Not cocky, right, but confident in Christ, because there's nothing like being able to flip the script and turn the tables on the devil. Okay, I, I, I love it. I get excited. So I'm hoping that's what you guys have been equipped with, is the power and the ability to be empowered to know that you can become an active participant in your own destiny. Amen? Okay, so we got some faith boosters and faith busters, but we know that... Uh, if we, again, if we leave here and we don't do anything with it, it's not going to benefit us. So I do have an action plan, just a very short one for you guys. On the next slide is a little bit of homework. And what I want you to do is just, again, we talked about a few things on this list, but it's not all-inclusive. So think about something that we did not mention tonight that could fall under one of those categories. Think of another faith booster. I'm sorry, let me start by a faith buster, something that will either contaminate or you know, bring toxicity to your faith or weaken your faith, and then think about something else we didn't discuss that actually can work as a faith booster and elevate and strengthen your faith. Faith, and add that to your list so you can apply that. And then as we opened up, I told you guys to uh, identify your own personal areas, again, where you struggle with applying your faith and the areas where you have confidence more so in your faith. Because if you don't know where you are, you won't know how to get to where you need to be. You have to identify your current uh, position, you know, in order to navigate the future here. So be honest with yourself, be honest with the Lord, and if you need help in one area more than the other, um, he can help you. He can help you do that, but I wanted to bring awareness to, to you guys tonight with regards to being empowered empowered to make a change, to make a change. So there's your, your action plan. Do some research. Um, don't just take my word for it. Again, look up the scriptures for yourself. Find them and stand on this promise so that when we gather again in the near future or you, you know, come back on Sundays and you're giving a testimony even to just your family or friends or wherever it is, don't be afraid to share this information with somebody else because people out there in the world need the answers and we as believers have the answer to what the world needs. Amen? Awesome. You guys are amazing. Amazing, amazing. And I have so much fun uh, being here before you 
I cannot believe we've already gone through four weeks of this topic, which again could be stretched out into a whole year, um, but it's been my absolute pleasure to be um, invited to be your guest speaker, and I pray that the Lord has spoken to each one of you personally in your hearts, and um, again, I look forward to seeing what God does in your life in the future. So it is my honor and my privilege to say thank you, and I appreciate each and every single one of you. Thank you very much. That is my time for tonight, and so I believe that Pastor may or may not have any closing remarks, but before he comes up, I will close us out in prayer so that you guys can get home and uh, get that rest we talked about, right? Okay, so let's just close out and go before the Lord. Dear Heavenly Father, once again, what an honor and a privilege it is to come to you together on one accord this evening. Thank you so much for getting us all here safely, Lord, and we thank you in advance that you will get us home safely. We thank you for this opportunity to be gathered in your presence where the precious Holy Spirit has been leading us and guiding us unto all truth. I pray, Lord God, that there is not one word of truth that has fallen on deaf ears, that we have been obedient to open up ourselves to receive new light and new revelation and be empowered by your word, Father God. We just thank you so much that you love us enough to meet us right where we are, but you're gracious enough not to leave us there. You will continue to be right there with us as we grow and learn more about you and your word. So Father, I just thank you again for each and every single person under the sound of my voice. And if there is any unmet need that anyone has here tonight, Father God, I commit that need to you as our source. So I thank you in advance that right now, Father God, you are manifesting healing where healing is needed, whether it's physical or emotional or mental, whatever the case is, Father God. I also thank you for uh, deliverance, Father. If there's anyone who walked into this room tonight with bondage of any kind, I thank you that you have set them Free. I thank you for your peace, Lord God, that you said will guard our hearts and our minds as we live in Christ Jesus, Lord. We, we walk in that peace 24-7, Lord, and we just thank you again for allowing us to be able to be your soldiers, to be your footmen, Father God, to be an example to those out there in the world that whoever is connected to us in our lives, we pray for their salvation we pray for their safety, and we pray for their well-being. And this we all commit to you together on one accord tonight. In Jesus' name, everyone said amen. Awesome. Thank you so much, ladies and gentlemen.